Hello and welcome to Deb and Friends Quest for Connection podcast. I am Deb Bowen, your anchor host for this podcast, and I am just so delighted and honored that you are joining me after I have been on a fairly long hiatus this summer. It's been a busy summer. It's been a summer of writing and planning and at some point in there meditating and just being still. So I hope that you too have had a good summer, and I hope that you too, as we approach the holiday here at the beginning of September, are ready to think about a new level of learning in your life. Who are you as the fall and winter approach? What resonates for you deep in your soul? And I'd love to hear your answer to that question and more. So if you'd like to contact me on Facebook or uh, shoot me an email at Deb and Friends Quest for Connection on gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And I want to tell you a little bit about what I'm doing in September uh, in this time that I have with you uh, in this podcast episode because I have some really exciting and wonderful things coming up. One thing I want to tell you is that my great friend, uh, Roger Lockshear, who is our shamanic practitioner, will be with me sometime in September, uh, offering some insight and information into the work that he's doing these days. He's got some new and exciting things happening in his practice, and I know he'd like to share that with you. We'll probably be hearing from our friend Sherry Purbeck, who is doing a lot of work in the field of mediumship these days, and my great friend Dale Rutman, who is also uh, doing mediumship and psychic work and channeling information Uh, similar to what I'm getting from Mary Magdalene, but what she's getting from her guides from off-planet. So we have a lot of of potentially exciting episodes coming up for you. But in addition to that, I've come to you in this episode to share with you some information about a symbol that is one of the most sacred and meaningful symbols to me in the whole world. It is something that I absolutely love and revere and am so incredibly attached to and have been for so many years. The symbol is called the Vesica Pisces. Two words, V-E-S-C, I'm sorry, V-E-S-I-C-A, V-E-S-I-C-A, Vesica Pisces, like the zodiac sign, P-I-S-C-E-S. And the words mean the vessel of the fish. And I'm going to talk a little bit, well, actually a lot, here in a minute, about what that term means today and how it came to be called the Vesica Pisces. But I want to begin by explaining to you what the symbol is in its most simple form and how it became so important to us as we look back on the concept of sacred geometry. And I'm going to tell you all of this about the Vesica Pisces because I hope that you'll enjoy it and learn from it and do some exploring on your own, but also to tell you that on Sunday, September 15th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I will be at Mystic Elements in Wilmington, North Carolina, working with my friend Maven Eller 5 about uh, doing a workshop about Vesica Pisces and our connection to the feminine divine. 
So I hope you will consider joining me. And later in the show, I'll give you some information on how you can connect with us if you'd like to come to Wilmington, North Carolina and join us on this workshop. But in the meantime, let me give you some background and some basic information that might help prepare you for our time together if you choose to come to the workshop. Vesica Pisces, in its simplest form, is a symbol that is two interlocking circles. That's it. Two circles that interlock. Uh, each of the circles intersecting the other in the center of the former, the center of the of the um, diameter of the circle. So what you have, if you can envision two circles side by side, where they overlap, you can see a, a kind of an almond shape, and in fact, that's what it's called. It's called a mandorla that shape where the two circles interact, intersect, it's a mandorla, and it is almond-shaped. And when the two circles are shown on top of each other, so that you have uh, a circle intersecting another circle below it, that symbol is where we get the term vessel of the fish, because that place where the two circles intersect that almond shape also, and you've seen it a zillion times, so if you sort of envision this, these two circles, you can see it. Those two circles come together to form the very simplistic outline of the shape of a fish. And you've seen it on bumpers, uh, bumper stickers for a long, long time, representing Christianity. And in fact, if you think about... Um, the early days of Christianity, when it was not safe to be public about your following of Jesus, often two people might meet in the marketplace, for example, and have a conversation and, and begin to realize that perhaps they were both Christians and it might be safe to have a conversation about Jesus. And so one of them would very quietly, very stereotypically um, draw with his toe an arc in the sand. And if the other person realized what he was doing and was indeed um, a follower of Jesus as well, he would complete the arc on the other side so it became a fish. And that was a kind of a secret sign that early Christians used to identify each other. Before that, however, even before the early days of Christianity, when we think of, of this symbol being related to Jesus and the Piscean age, which, of course, Jesus represented. Before that, back in the days of Pythagoras, for example, everything, everything was really, and still is today, of course, based on the principle of sacred geometry. Um, Pythagoras, about 560 BCE, gave us the idea that everything was founded on mathematical principles. And so these two interlocking circles eventually become the basic building blocks of sacred geometry so that everything you see and can't see in the world around you, from snowflakes to the molecules of your eyes to pine cones 
flower petals, crystals, the ratio of our body's parts to each other, for example, from the top of your head to your belly button to the top of your head to your toes, all of that is that divine ratio um, idea, that golden ratio idea of sacred geometry and those basic principles right down to geometric codes and our double helix DNA. And if you could pull apart those patterns that we see in geometric forms that create the concept of all that is on this planet and probably beyond, what you see are those interlocking circles of the Vesica Pisces. And if you were to imagine that you carry out the interlocking circles over and over and over again. If you had, I don't know if they even still make them, but when I was in junior high school, we had tractors and compasses, and you could make all sorts of cool designs by holding, just holding the point of the compass in one place and, and moving the angle of the pencil as you marked on paper. Well, you can still do that today. Probably today you do it with computer programs, but you can still do it. And what you end up with is that symbol that we call the flower of life. And you've seen it a zillion times. It's a, a many overlapping uh, Jessica Pisces symbols. And that symbol represents the connection of all life, which, of course, is a topic that is near and dear to our hearts here on Quest for Connection, is the idea of coming together and bringing folks uh, together in so many different ways. So if you can just hold in your head for a minute the idea of those two interlocking circles, one on top of the other, which, is, which gives us that um, shape in the, where the two circles interconnect uh, called a mandorla, and you see the Christian fish fin symbol. If you turn the two circles on their sides so that now that almond shape that has been horizontal is turned vertically, now what you have is the same symbol, but much, much older. Much, much older. goes back thousands of years to the divine feminine. And here what you see in that interlocking space, rather than the fish of Christianity, as you do when the circles are on top of each other, when they're side by side, now you see the symbol of the vulva of the goddess. You are seeing here... Um, that energy that surrounds the divine feminine. One of the places that you've most often seen it, perhaps, and have not conceptualized it as such, is that wonderful, that colorful electric halo that you see in every picture of Our Lady of Guadalupe, or even the Starbucks logo, or in lotus flowers. You see this symbol everywhere, the eye of Horus. You see this divine symbol of the goddess everywhere. In um, the early 1900s, I believe it was 1919, the early 1900s, Chalicewell Gardens was gifted a cover design by a man named Frederick Bly Bond. 
on top of the well in Glaston Abbey, uh, above Glaston Abbey in Chalice Well Gardens. Bond was a, an archaeologist, uh, an architect, an anthropologist kind of guy, and he had been hired by the Glastonbury Abbey Trust to do some research to find additional footings for buildings that uh, had been destroyed that they believed were, in fact, a part of the original design of the abbey. And he did that. Um, he, he was indeed able to find footings and tell the folks where to dig so that they could see the outline of buildings that had been destroyed by King Henry in the 1500s. But Bond also, and that's a whole other story about what happened to Bond and, and Glastonbury Abbey, but what he did was he also designed, based on his work with sacred geometry, a beautiful, ornate, iron uh, piece of artwork that covers the lid to the well in Chalice Well Gardens. Now, there are legends by the zillions about this particular well. One of the most prevalent legends is that this well was the um, was inside Avalon, that this mystical place, Glastonbury Abbey, up the hill to Chalice Well, and further up the hill to the Glastonbury Tor, was a sacred place, time out of mind, that it was sacred to the goddess and her priestesses, to the fairy folk, uh, on and on and on, the legends go. And so the belief was that when you had crossed the veil from the normal, ordinary world, ordinary time, into Avalon, you came to the, to the well. And it has been a sacred and holy place Time out of mind. Not only is the well sacred longer than one can imagine from the legend of Avalon, and of course then that follows through with um, King Arthur, and obviously because of that too as well, the Holy Grail. And there is some discussion that Joseph of Arimathea brought Mary Magdalene as the living Holy Grail to Avalon, that she was, in fact, at Chalice Well. There is also another le legend that if you consider that the Holy Grail may have physically been a cup, that Joseph of Arimathea brought the cup to Chalice Well and hid the cup inside the well. There's actually a, a niche inside the uh, well where something could be hidden. It's actually tall enough that a man can stand in it. So, so there's some ideas that there's a connection to very early Christianity with Joseph of Arimathea and his coming to this place. There's a, a hill, for example, and just as a sidebar, there's a hill uh, near uh, Chalice Well and the Glastonbury Tor called Lirial Hill. And legend has it that Joseph of Arimathea and his very weary uh, companions after they had left Israel, after Jesus was crucified, finally beached their boats on the, uh, the marsh there because back in those days, uh, the Somerset Downs, the Somerset Levels 
were basically underwater. And when he got out of the boat and on a hill and was so tired and he planted his staff uh, into the hill made of hawthorn, that from that staff bloomed a hawthorn tree that to this day, the descendants of that tree to this day are the only hawthorns that bloom twice a year as opposed to just once a year. And interestingly, it is from some of those twice-blooming hawthorns in Glastonbury and the surrounding area that a sprig is uh, cut at Christmas each year and is hand-delivered to the palace so that there's a sprig from the Glastonbury thorn in the table decorations on Christmas Day in, in the palace for the royalties uh, to enjoy. So I just, I love that story, but it's fascinating that the hawthorn trees are in that area. So this legend of, of connection uh, to the beginnings of Christianity also overlaps and, and intertwines with the story of the Holy Grail and Christianity and the goddess and Avalon and the priestesses of Avalon. And so I have to tell you that in 2011, I took a pilgrimage to southwest England with my lovely friend Susan. And one of the things that I told her before we left home that I planned to do was to stand without shoes on the holiest grounds in England. And I did that. Wherever we went, that was a sacred place uh, at least to me and, and certainly to a lot of other people, I was there without shoes. And I spent, I don't know how long, I, I couldn't tell you how long I spent on my knees at the well, barefooted, with my head against that the stones that surround that well. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I had come home I knew that I had found sacred ground. I knew that I had found a connection to that divine feminine both without and within me in that moment in time. And from that, I have been very blessed to continue to build that relationship with the sacred feminine, to build, to build that relationship within myself as well. And one of the things that um, we both did, Susan and I, while we were there was we bought rings from the Chaliswell Garden gift shop um, with the Vesica Pisces symbol on it, and I wear it every day. And every day it is a reminder to me that I am a part of that divinity, that I am deeply connected to all that is holy in my world that I believe in, that I believe cares about me. And I am so blessed to be able to share with you um, how that has evolved and, and morphed into my life. And I don't know that you might remember this, but some time ago, as I had talked about my connections to that 
voice that comes that identifies as Mary Magdalene and, and offers messages of, of hope for us in what is a very stressful time, I think, in the world around us. She spoke to me the very first time she came to see me about um, this symbol, this Vesica Pisces. And, and my journal from that very first uh, session with her says, she's, I'm quoting the voice here, and she says, your study of sacred geometry and numerology also have prepared you for your work you're doing regarding non-dualistic thinking. The symbol on the ring you wear speaks to this. And she shows me the symbol as it appears, the Vesica Pisces, as it appears on the well cover. And unlike the two simple interlocking circles that I was talking about earlier, this symbol from the well cover has a rod running through the center of the two interlocking circles. And that, that symbol forms a cross, but it's an equal armed cross that represents the four elements, north, south, east, west, the directions, and fire, air, earth, and water, um, the energies and the elements. It also represents for me um, the idea of the connection and the transition from the Piscean age to the Aquarian age. It represents merging of energies and thought so that we become more connected rather than black and white and dualistic thinking that is so divisive uh, as opposed to we are moving into a more um, cohesive way of thinking, a, a way of moving away from duality and more into what she calls um, our holographic light bodies. I just thought that was just a fascinating thing for her to say. And she did say that it is vital that we find symbols. And, and for me, the Vesica Pisces is the epitome of that. It may not be for you. There may be other symbols that speak to you about that non-dualistic thinking, that way of connecting deeply uh, into um, a way of, of connection and, and coming together in the world around us. But she does say that we should love the world in small ways, love the world in big ways. Be sure that every act we do is that of love. And that's a quote from Mary Magdalene here. And, and so when I wear this symbol, it reminds me of her instructions to do that. It reminds me of my connecting energies to the world around me and to, for me, the divine feminine. So I invite you to think about what I've talked about here now for just a little bit. And I hope it's made you curious to think about the symbols in your life that resonate for you. And if there is uh, not one or if the Vesica Pisces is something that you'd like to explore more, I would certainly invite you to do so. I will also be having a blog post and some other written information uh, coming out on Facebook and so forth about this symbol. But if you are able to join us on Sunday, September 15th from 2 until 4.30 in the afternoon at Mystic Elements, 
in Wilmington, North Carolina for this workshop and for a ritual. We'd love to have you join us. It's only $35. Um, we'd love to have you come and be with us. You can get more information about this on the Mystic Elements website. There's a place on the website under the events uh, and workshops calendar where you can register online. You can also call Mystic Elements at 910-799-1001 and register by phone. And there are also links on my website to all of this as well, So, uh, and on my Facebook pages. So you certainly are able to connect with us in that way. One other quick reminder, which I will probably do uh, another uh, broadcast of, of uh, our podcast before these happen as well, but in addition to the Vesica Pisces workshop, if you'd like to take the workshop with me, like to do some very specific training with me and can't make a, a physical location, I typically teach most of my courses on the telephone. Literally, we talk on the phone as a conference call. So from wherever you may be in the world, you can join me and would love to have you do so. I have, you can, again, you can look at this on my website and on Facebook, but beginning on Monday, September 9th and running for three consecutive Mondays, I'm teaching a course called Connecting the Cosmic Dots. And that course is all about how to put together these metaphysical concepts that we all know, but we may not know how they're related to each other or even if they are and why. For example, chakras and Akashic records and crystals and paranormal activity and uh, your spirit guide. How, how's all that stuff connected? Well, I'm teaching the course and the answer to that question. So connecting the cosmic dots beginning on uh, September 9th, a Monday night, and then beginning on Tuesday, September 10th, and running for three consecutive Tuesdays, is my Intro to Tarot course. It's called Unlocking the Mysteries of Tarot. And I don't teach people to read the Tarot uh, in a kind of a cursory manner. We really delve into the symbols on the cards and why they mean what they do and how they're connected to Greek and Roman and Egyptian uh, mythology and Christian culture and and Hebraic thought and um, Jungian thought, and it just goes on and on and on. So we really do a great deal of in-depth work with Tarot in those uh, very in-depth three sessions in that course as well. And so both of those uh, courses, Connecting the Cosmic Dots and my Tarot course, you can hear about or read about on my website, debbowen.com. Well, whew, so that's what I've got going on in September. What are you doing? And I hope you're doing some of those things with me because I would just love to to share with you um, all this exciting work that, that I'm doing. You know, um, I think that I am a teacher mostly because I love learning and I love sharing that learning with other people. So if you're so inclined to want to join us for any of those three events in September, would love to have you. Also, I'm excited to remind you that Roger will be with me. Imagine Sherry will come in at some point during the month, and so will Dale. So keep that in mind, and let me hear from you. And I'm happy to hear to be here with you talking about the Vesica Pisces and that symbol in your life this week. 
So thank you so much for hanging in here with me, and I hope you will again soon. And in the meantime, take good care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.